It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company early start today. Uh, we're going to get out of the way for an Aces game coming up at 5 o'clock, 4.30 with the pregame. John Von Tobel is here. Damon as well. Cofield, we got a lot to get to, obviously, uh, Conference chaos continues with uh, now the rest of the Pac-4 scrambling and some um, skullduggery, some scumbaggery going on around the Mountain West. And take a guess at what school potentially is a- uh, acting like a dirtbag. A story just came out, so we'll get into that uh, next hour. We're going to talk to uh, someone from the Pac-12, or was in the Pac-12, played in, boy, back in his day, it was probably the Pac-8 or the Pac-10 but we'll check in on someone from Washington because we're kind of curious at all these schools, Mountain West and Pac-12, what they're thinking now with all this change, and Washington is off to the Big Ten. A lot of baseball coming up in the middle of this hour because we've got more fisticuffs and angst and trash talking, so a lot to get to. What's going on, John? Nothing much. It's been a busy day. I've been running around, so I'm still in the flow of things, feeling good, energized, ready to crash flow like, of, in like three hours. Flow of what? What do you mean? Like I'm just in the okay. flow. I'm in the flow of like life in general. The day. Okay. It's been running around, taking in information. You know, there's no slowdown. There's no stops on this train, baby. How's your uh, modeling going? Uh, actually, pretty good. So uh, you know what I like about this thing too is because it's a lot of it is Excel stuff. So the other day I implemented a new statistic into the model. The first set, the first number came back. You know, Kansas City and Detroit came back really well. And then I ran it for the rest of the games for week one, and it spit back like a 100-point favorite and like a 29-point favorite. So I was like, ooh, something's not right here. So I had to diligently go through and find the dollar sign that I had misplaced one spot over. You that, love this, don't you? That's the kind of work I have to do. Yeah, man, it's fun. It's kind of weirdly fun. I actually didn't think it would be that great, but I ordered a new book on Amazon today. Can't wait to read that. Going to get, like I think I told you guys the other day, going to get more player-based modeling, getting started for the NBA season once I get this NFL thing up and running. I'm fired up, man. What motivated you to become an all-out nerd? Um, well, you know, I mean that as a compliment. Well, you know, and I take that as a compliment. Um, as you know, I already like my statistics as it is, right? Analytics, numbers, everything like that. But I do feel, as somebody who is in the field, you know, kind of journalism, right? I went to journalism school, at least. If you're going to be somebody like me who reports on betting markets and, you know, talks to bettors and odds makers and whatnot, I want to put my hands and feet into the space where some of the most respected people are, which is modeling. It's not to say that I am going to create a model that is going to be up there with some of the best out there, but some of the most respected minds in sports betting do this to a much higher level. So I kind of just wanted to see what it was like. You know, what's the process? How do you do it? How does that return for you? That kind of stuff. You know, it's a journalistic endeavor for the most part. So We're going to go uh, from this conversation in about an hour and six minutes to the Birmingham brawl. Yes. So I really like the versatility of today's show. But we come out of the gates with Team USA last night. Uh, I saw you retweeting people freaking out <laughs> after five minutes. How bad was Team USA? How badly did they get blown out by Puerto Rico? Uh, let me see. Oh, man. By the way, this was in town over at the Fortress. Yeah, they only won by 43 points yesterday. What? Yeah, they only won by 43. I saw people proclaiming in the first 10 minutes that they're not going to win any games in international competition at this FIBA World Cup in September. First 10? I mean, I don't think people made it that far. I think they made it like four minutes, and they were tweeting about how this team wasn't going to medal because they were down ten to or 12 to 10 to Puerto Rico. Like, 
we've got to relax. So what did I tell you yesterday too? Right, you asked me, hey, like, are you rooting for them? And I was like, no, I actually kind of want them to lose because I want everybody to freak out for no reason because it's a friendly, and I want this narrative to start that they're never going to do anything just for them to go on and potentially win this thing. I kind of got it because they were down 12-10 early on against Puerto Rico. Uh, Tremont Waters, former LSU player, for those who might remember, uh, plays for Puerto Rico, had a really good first half, was all over the place, hitting shots, the ball movement was great. Uh, Team USA defensively is implementing a lot. You know their defense is a switch all style. You know it's not surprising Steve Kerr likes that, and we've seen that with Team USA in the past. And when you switch everything, what happens? Well, you have mismatches. Smaller guys guarding bigger guys. So Puerto Rico was like, oh, okay, cool. If you're going to switch, then we're going to start sealing mismatches, and we're going to start going into the paint, doing all that sort of stuff. And it worked for a little bit. But then Team USA kind of got their stuff together. Remember, they just got together on Thursday for the first time, right? And really started to show their talent. So I thought it was hilarious that there were people actually starting the discourse of, like, here we go, this Team USA, they suck. And I'm like, like come on, let's relax for just a couple minutes. Come on, what was it like in the arena? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, obviously it's not a sellout, it's just a friendly game. But I like the crowd that was in there, the people sitting behind me. The Knicks fans were in the building. Jalen Brunson, he's a walking bucket, he's the yeah. best point guard in the league. My mistake, Trey Young. Who? I was gonna say, wow, this, <laughs> yeah. this is a big turnaround. Yeah, yesterday. Here it is. Yeah, I just I had to, I had to be around the right people to tell me. Okay, I saw yeah. you guys talking a little trash at each other while you were talking trash at uh, Demon. Um, Trey Young thoughts now. I mean, come on, I'm right. I don't think there's really any question about well, tell, it. Tell tell the audience what you were saying yesterday about you know this team isn't filled with superstars, and there are a lot of people who were like, hey, I mean, Trey Young's a whatever he is, 25 point per game guy. Bordering on a superstar, why isn't he on freaking Team USA's you know B or C team? Well, he's a twenty-five point per game guy, but he's also a twenty-seven point per game guy, which means he'll give up twenty-seven <laughs> points on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, so that's why. And actually, Tim McMahon, who does a great job, he's one of the co-hosts on Brian Windhorst's uh, Hoop Collective podcast. You know, he talked about it on his on the podcast just the other day because he was actually asked, like, "Hey, you know, w- like what's going on with the Trey Young dynamic?" The quote from McMahon was, I heard Trey Young did not make a great case for himself during his previous time in the Team USA program. I also heard at one point a question was presented to Trey Young, something along the lines of, and this was sarcasm, are you ever going to go over a bleeping screen? <laughs> he's not a good defender. No, he's not. And this team, when it does struggle internationally against a different style of play, uh, defense comes to the surface. Of course. That becomes a big key, and I know there's a lot of people out there who just look at points per game in building a roster. You got to – the mistake when uh, USA had some down years, um, and really it's 20 years plus now since they've had down years in 2004 and six. they struggled. 2004 in international play, they, uh, they finished in sixth, right? So that was kind of that era. Yeah, you were just putting a bunch of superstars together. You got to build a team just like a regular team. Mm-hmm. You got to have guys who can play some defense. Yeah, you need scorers, but it's got to be a complete team, and – Right now, Trey Young is not in the mix. No, and look, he's and not. That's, by the way, for Gilbert Arenas to look at the roster and go, this is a sorry-ass roster, bro, you're better than that. You played the game. You should kind of understand how to build a team. Uh, do you think Gilbert Arenas watches? No. That's the problem, right? I, I think you're right in thinking that he knows how to build the team, but I don't think he knows the overall skill set of all of the guys on this roster. Back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, rolling on early start today, 2 o'clock start. Obviously, we're here at uh, 214. John Von Tobel, Cofield, going until around 430, uh, getting out of the way for an Aces game. Uh, John from Nova Home Loans is here with us. So what we've got coming up is a little bit of baseball talk. We're going to find out uh, more about the real estate market, 
um, get some answers there. But we've also got conference chaos stuff to get to. I've dubbed it conference chaos real creative. But um, right now we're in a holding pattern because of the ACC and Stanford and Cal, which could be expanded, I suppose, to Washington State and Oregon State. I mean, this is – it's starting to get a little crazy, and I understand the coast-to-coast concept of having TV blocks for a conference all the way up and you know down the dial in terms of time. This, I mean, I thought the Big Ten was absurd. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, why doesn't Stanford just go independent? I mean, does that make sense for them, or does it affect other other well, uh, sports at Stanford? It's super pricey because uh, as an independent, obviously they got to put together a schedule from all over the country, so they're going to have to bear the whole thing there, and they're not going to have a TV deal. Like, BYU had its own kind of separate TV deal, and its own TV station still does. Notre Dame's always had the deal with NBC, so those sorts of deals, if they bring in tens of millions, in the case of Notre Dame, there might, they might be at like 60, 70 right now. Uh, when you go from the old Pac-12 deal, was $31 million a school. I mean, that's a pretty nice nut. Yeah, but if they go to the ACC, aren't the teams in the ACC right now complaining about they're not getting enough well, money? They're getting around $35 million, right? And I know this number <laughs> stuff is – I know you like numbers, and John likes numbers a lot. And I like numbers. Uh, but they're getting around thirty-five now. The problem is ACC is locked in for a much longer contract. They signed a bad contract with ESPN. The teams <clears> complaining <throat> are Clemson and Florida State. Then they're like, hey, we want SEC money, which is more like $70 million a school. Or we want Big Ten money, which is upwards of – 80 million a school they just they signed a weird deal so um i think adding stanford and cal well one they're like-minded schools in terms of academics Mm -hmm. um is sort of a replacement for clemson and florida state if they freak out and leave it's just crazy now the the regional stuff i mean we're really going to travel and we don't even have to talk about all the olympic sports just the football part of it yeah what if it were just stanford and cal just stanford and cal and think about this do you guys know what the closest ACC school is to Stanford and Cal? Right, my brain here. It would, would it be Georgia Tech? There's a school a little bit east of that, or a little bit west of that. Can't tell you. Ready? The close school in the ACC is Louisville. Oh, that's right. That's it. Louisville. Wow. That's the close school. Well, yeah. That's kind of what I don't get about, like, the, all right, you need a West Coast, like, presence, right? But if you're the ACC and you're only getting Stanford and Cal – what is that West Coast presence? Like, you're just having one to have one. Oh, you're getting the Bay Area. I mean, but I guess you're getting your other, eyes. But. Your other two options, if you want to match up more schools from that region, are then Pullman, Washington, and Corvallis, Oregon, sure. which don't exactly bring Seattle or Portland. And there's no chance of going to the Mountain West. Am I correct? No, there is a chance. Oh, will Stanford do it? No, I don't think Stanford will do it. I think Cal has to be somewhere. Uh, Cal is a disaster. Cal, were you at the game last year up at Cal? No, I was not. So they redid their stadium, and it's an old, super old stadium. They did a beautiful job, but they've got $200 million in debt. So what, what's happening at a lot of the schools, the Pac-4 that are out, like Stanford's flush with money, um, but losing $30 million from the conference sucks. The other three schools are operating – they were already operating, I don't know about Oregon State, but Wazoo and Cal are already losing money getting 30 from the conference. So right now they're like, well, what the hell do we do? we got to have like a guaranteed take from a conference. Um, and to go down to the Mountain West, the Mountain West deal – might be a little bit north of ten million now, uh, but they do they do have traditional TV deals. So and that is something that uh, the Pac-12 commissioner could never offer the old Pac-12 teams, which is crazy that I'm referencing the old Pac-12 and not talking about like the Pac-10, the the Pac-8. I'm talking about last week. That's the old Pac-12 last week. 
Last Wednesday, old Pac-12. Yeah, I, I have no clue anymore, to be honest with you. I'll just root for Rutgers, and we'll see go. how that see, goes. Get another guy. Can we? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's tired of the bashing. There's way too, too many, you enough. guys. Kansas, New Jersey. There's way too many people out here like that. <laughs> um, I need to. I need to ask the important question that I don't think anybody's asked yet. Yeah. We're renaming these conferences, right? No. The like, though, though the Big Ten can stay and the Big Twelve, I get it. You just got to change the number if you're going to have more. But no, ACC will still will include Stanford and Cal <laughs> without no, a rebrand. It's, it's dumb. Yes. You're the Atlantic Coast Conference. You cannot have two no, teams I mean, on the Pacific so Coast. The, so they're going to keep it the Big Ten. They're not going to say to no. Uh, yeah, that, it'll be the Big Ten, even though it's the Big Eighteen, and the, that's yeah. ridiculous. The Big yeah. Twelve has sixteen. It's yeah, that's co- it's too confusing. Yeah, I understand, but it's yeah. still co- very confusing, actually. So yeah, that's dumb. Oh, I will. I. I told these guys, I still screw up uh, Missouri being in the SEC. It makes no sense to me because I feel oh. like they should be with Kansas. And I say, I never get them in the SEC. But I guess we got to adjust. Logo idea. So you know how, like, for the Big Ten, they put, like, B, like, 1-0 or, like, the B-1-G, you know what I mean, Big Ten, whatever? Right, right. Just put a B one eight, but just like take the eight and lower it a little bit. It's like lowercase g. I'm sure oh. they're going to come up with something. Big 18. But just they're not going to call it the Big 18. <laughs> Pay me gonna, now. It's not going to happen. Now. So this is going like hour by hour, yeah. Because there, there's different forces uh, in the Mountain West Conference and the Pac-12 who are trying to achieve a goal here. So I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of days, but I think something is going to happen. But it is contingent on what the ACC says, and if they're out on Stanford and Cal, then here comes Plan B, C, and D. Yeah, I, I don't get it, but it's all about the money, right? Yeah, That's all, all about, that matters. It's all about so. giving TV their inventory, and TV controls things, um, and especially since TV is kind of changing. You know, that's the other one is um, this is all happening as the ESPN spigot has been turned off. I mean, they're firing people left and right. They don't have any money. They signed all their deals, and this is what it is. And there's not a chance of renegotiating with ESPN, right, if they do join? There might be, like, the Big 12 had a uh, clause in their contract. If they added Power 5 schools, they could renegotiate with Fox. So I'm not sure on the ACC. I think it's pretty ironclad. And that's why Clemson and Florida State are freaking out. They're like, we don't see any future where this conference can make a lot more money and then – Clemson, especially Florida State, I think is a little out of control right now. Like achieve at a high level again mm-hmm. before you talk trash. But Clemson wants to compete with Alabama and you know Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and they're getting less than half of the money that those schools I just mentioned get from TV. So uh, content tonight on TV. You're a Giants fan. Yep, John's with us here from uh, Nova Home Loans. Five seven seven twenty six hundred is a number. So you know Giants fans like to look down their nose, and rightly so. But you guys are obnoxious. Can I have a little bit of fun? Can I have some expectations with hard knocks? Can I enjoy this before you laugh at me? I don't know if it's a good thing, to be honest with you. I mean, being on hard knocks, I mean. Well, you won't ever have to worry about it, apparently. The Giants will never be on there. That's fine. Historic ownership, and the Giants are never really – well, the Giants have been pretty crappy of late, but nice bounce back last year. Yeah, we've won a couple more Super Bowls than the Jets, so I mean, maybe it's a good thing that we're not on hard knocks. It's a little lucky those two Super Bowls, for being honest. They won them. They did. That's a good point. Hey, the Colts got one in 2006, so I'm happy. Giants two Super Bowls, right? The the well, three total, right? But two with Eli. Yeah, have that right. Yeah, Yeah. we're both lucky. I mean, there were. Go ahead. Kinda. Maybe one one of them was. I mean that you know on the helmet catch. The helmet I mean, catch. Well, you think the bill, you think the Bills mm. lay that out there? What? How was that lucky? Which? What are you saying? Talking what? Bill, Bill no, no, that, no, that 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 was a real one. No, that so, was the real one. I'm saying yeah. the two Eli Manning ones were very lucky runs. Okay. 
the the, Ty, the Tyree helmet catch, the Mario Manningham catch on the sideline and the other one. Which was a- absolutely unbelievable throw and right. catch. Yes, it was ridiculous. I think one of those runs had a Hail Mary in the Green Bay game at like <laughs> halftime. It's, it's, I don't know why I'm defending the Giants. Right. I'm sitting here it's like, like I'm like outraged that you're calling me lucky. I don't I don't care. I I think the hard knocks thing, like a jinx, is nonsense. Generally, there's just bad teams that are on hard knocks. This happens to be a team that actually has expectations of winning, you know, nine or ten games, maybe more. Well, because they made a big acquisition. But do you believe? Do you guys think it's going to be a distraction? Do you think it's going to screw them up? I think it will be a distraction, hundred percent. I mean, you can make the argument the Lions, the Lions were on it last year, wasn't a distraction. They actually ended up with a relatively good season for Detroit. So maybe it's not. I think it's how everybody handles it. It's a good thing that the Jets don't have a quarterback that's kind of weird and handles these situations very well. I think he'll be okay. I think a lot of his weirdness was because he really did hate the Green Bay brass. And he went out of his way to be a weirdo. I don't know. I think he's weird. Take away Green Bay. He's weird altogether. Well, it'll make for good TV. Yeah, you think, he's gonna, you think he's going to come off terribly? I don't. I don't think he'll come out off great. <laughs> okay, so no. I think what he's going to be because I saw off great for me. I'm a, I'm a Aaron Rodgers protector now. Well, what was the trailer where it's like the sideline of the Hall of Fame game and he tells Zach Wilson like, "Hey, man, you throw it here and he's going to be open." And hey, then like it showed it, and it was like there, he was there and he was open. Coach Rodge. Well, the, the only good thing is, is last time you guys were in hard knocks, you made it to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's a good point, right? But so I would say it's all great now. But if they start zero and two, well, they could. Prickly Aaron Rodgers is going to start coming out with a uh, yeah. a media contingent that uh, you know is kind of annoying. Oh, we'll enjoy it. Right, they'll they'll, they'll poke him to explode. I mean, their first six games. You're right. The first two are ridiculous. The first six are really tough. Right. So they better come out of the gates like three and three, two and four. Otherwise, the uh, pitchforks will be out. Yeah. All things aside, I mean, they have a great defense. They are a very good uh, defensive team, and they're going to be a hundred times better offensively. Mm-hmm. Is because honestly, Zach Wilson didn't know how to play football. So. No. He was a bad pick. Let's not rub it in, please. Real bad pick. Still got hope. He does? Yeah, learn yeah, under Raj. You know what I mean? Have some of that rub off on you. Become a leader of men. All right, so let's talk about what's going on with uh, Nova Home Loans. First of all, we got we got some good news and bad news. Rates, eh, it's not great news. I know reading some stuff about what's coming up here the next six months from an economy standpoint, maybe a little better. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, everybody's complaining about interest rates, and I know they're high. They're not the best thing in the world, but he, here's the thing. Do you know how many people didn't get a home when interest rates were at three, three and a quarter? It's because they couldn't. We had people coming in from California, from the East Coast, spending forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 above list price. Inventory was too low then? No, it, it, it's just that the rates were so low. People were moving here that right. even if you could get a three and a quarter interest rate, if you didn't have forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, a bit above list price, yeah. you weren't getting the home. So everybody's complaining about that now. Interest rates are higher. The inventory is low. You have an opportunity to get a property right now. You could always refinance. And you know what? Everybody's complaining and waiting. Okay, well, I'll wait for rates to come down. Well, when they come down, the inventory is going to get lower. So then what? Now, now there's going to be multiple offers and we're going to go back to the same thing where you have to have ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 above list to get the property. Right now is the best time to buy a property in a long time. So the 100%. notion is get get in and then you can refi down the road. Correct. When the rates go down, there's going to be tons of money out there and people are going to be scooping up houses with giant down payments or just buying it outright. Correct. And you'll be out. Yeah, exactly. 577-2600 is the number for John over at Nova Home Loans. Uh, what's going on with the uh, what's the peace of mind program? 
Uh, peace of mind, double pledge program. So basically, we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we were just talking about low inventory, right? So now we have a client, full application, get all their income docs. We give them peace of mind, double pledge. Basically, we guarantee that we'll close that loan or we'll pay for it, basically. And we'll reimburse the client $1,000 for home inspection appraisal, up to $5,000 in EMD money. If we're late on closing the loan, two fifty dollars a day to both the buyer and the seller. But here's the key. If, if I'm looking at, if agents are looking at multiple offers and an offer has a peace of mind, double pledge with an approval letter, they're going to take that because we already underwrote the loan. No headaches. Right. So great program. What's going on with credit services in terms of helping people get approved? So Nova's had a credit services division for now 14 plus years. So any credit challenge buyer, we don't kick anybody to the curb. We'll work with that client for free until we get their credit score where it needs to be so they can qualify. But on top of that, right now, interest rates are higher. So what are you looking for? Better price, better cost. So we're able to take that 17, uh, 719 credit score and get them to a 760. They just get a better product lower cost, lower rate. So it's a great program, credit services. It's always free, and we've been doing it for 14 years. They're responsible for about 30% of our pipeline year in and year out. John from Nova Home Loans with us. 577-2600 is the number. Give him a call. He's got some other ways to uh, save you money. We'll hit on those on the way back. Also, whew, who's collapsing worse and freaking out worse, Yankees or the Angels? All right, rolling on. We're going to uh, talk some Pac-12 football from, uh, well, one of the schools that wasn't the Pac-12, uh, Hugh Millen, who played in the NFL. He's one of the voices of uh, Washington football, does a lot of work on KJR. He's going to join us inside of about 15 minutes. John from Nova Home Loans is here with us. Special 2 o'clock hour as we're getting ready for a Las Vegas Aces game. Bounce back spot. They got smoked by the Liberty uh, just a couple days ago. Pretty bad loss, 99 to 61. So, so, what's going on with your Angels? What's going on with your whole formula Bro, to uh, impress Otani and convince him to stay around, make a run of the playoffs, and you're 0-7 in August. Yep. Well, I mean, they did. I I don't want if you to say it was the right thing, but they did what they thought they should do, which is try to get some bats, get a couple of arms, and see if you can make this thing work and show them at the very least, and they did show them that, that they were willing to sacrifice assets to make this team better and go make this push. Problem is, looks Giolito hasn't really been good. Um Actually, Ronaldo Lopez has been all right, and uh, the rest of the team still kind of stinks. Their bullpen is the issue. You know, the bats all of a sudden, it's funny, you get all these bats and you're like ready to go, and then the bats fall asleep at the worst possible time. So then, of course, when your bullpen screws it up, you can't keep up with it. It is quintessential Angels. Yep. To do this at this point, there's always like that back-breaking series for them. I can tell, I can go through the years, but this point, it's it's classic. Yeah. You well, do all that at the deadline, and then you, you don't win since. And when you're 500 and you're losing seven in a row, it's just oh, incredibly debilitating. And I feel like you Yankees or Mets? Mets. I we got first, our own issues. First on the Yankees, I feel like the Yankees are teetering on something real bad here. Real bad, because uh, their pitching is just not there. They're bringing back pitchers. They're not good. Meanwhile, the Mets, I don't know if you saw it last week, but Max Scherzer, for some reason, was telling the media – in Texas about what the Mets had told them management-wise. Like, bro, I don't think that was for public consumption, but the Mets haven't really denied it that they're punting on next year. How do you how do you have a, a guy who's worth whatever he's worth? What is he worth, $25 billion? He's the richest owner in baseball. What do you mean you're punting on 2024 if you're the Mets? Yeah, you don't it's punt. It's a free tool. Not with the money he has. Yeah. You spend money and you try and compete. They got like 13 prospects for the guys they traded. They have uh, at least three good prospects who have come up. 
go and augment with some new pitching, and you should be at least be able to compete to win 85 games. I agree. I mean, again, he the owner does not want to just punt. You wouldn't think, he, but he, Scherzer says that's what they told him. I, I don't. I don't believe. That. I don't believe Scherzer either. Well, I, right, and I think this year's an indication, right? Like they win, they were spending money this year, didn't work out. All right, get some stuff back for these guys, and in the summer, let's do it again. I think that they're kind of going down that path. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. They're, they're they'll compete next year. He's going to spend more money, and he's going to do what he, he's going to he, do. Like he he may have said that, and and he he may be convinced right now by uh, Epler, the GM, like hey, it's going to take a little bit of time, and you watch. The offseason comes. He sees the free agents. He's like, eh, I'm not waiting. And he shouldn't. There's no reason. Not New York. Not This is no. not the Wilpon family. It's not, you know, those yeah. dopes who got caught up in a uh, freaking Ponzi scheme and then were supposedly poor for – they did. They got – right? They got eviscerated in that – They did. In that Ponzi scheme. 577-2600 is the number four. Nova Home Loans. All right. We got some other big things to get to. John was just telling us um, – this is a good time to buy, man, because when the rates go down, the market's going to be really competitive, and who the hell knows what the inventory is. Uh, what's going on with a reverse mortgage? So the reverse mortgage purchase, it's actually an underutilized program. So basically, think of it like this. Everybody's leaving the East Coast, West Coast to come to, honestly, no state tax states like Nevada, right? So someone in California sells a property for 600000 They come here. Instead, if they want a $600,000 property, they could do a reverse purchase with putting down $300,000, never have to make a payment on that, and put $300,000 in an investment account and live way better than they are in California So, or even on the East Coast, whether it's Connecticut, New York, or even Jersey, right? Because right. the taxes are so ridiculous. So the reverse mortgage product, and we do a lot of these, um, we have a specific division uh, right here in our uh, Southwest office in Las Vegas. So it's a great program. So if you are moving and you, you have the money to put down and you never want to make a payment again for the right person, best product out there. What are you doing? Moving. You need to buy a house. All right. Well, that's in the I actually that's the plan for the next year. That's okay. the goal in the next Let's year. Let's go. Yeah. He doesn't qualify for reverse. Here, He's I'll not go. old enough. No. But, there you go. But See? what we what we talked about yeah. at the beginning of the conversation, like waiting isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Do I have to put his number in your phone? Give me your phone. Yeah, right, right, right now. <laughs> Get if, if you need to buy a house, right now is a great time to buy. It really is, is because uh, it doesn't, rates don't matter that much. Rates go up and down. And right now, everybody's thinking next 12 to 18 months, rates will come back down. Uh, but the bottom line is, is even 7%, mm. rent is 100%. Right. So you're never getting anything out of paying rent. So it makes more sense to buy. Your kids are hey, going to be gigantic. They get free maintenance. You know that. They're going to they're gonna outgrow your place. They're going to be gigantic. Oh, don't even start with that because my, my oldest. And boys. you don't get free maintenance, just so you know. They're charging you for it. Right. Somewhere along the line, you're paying for that. I don't see it. It's free. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to see it. The, uh, well, no. So my oldest kid is now, you know, he's, he's starting to develop a personality. Uh, annoying. Um, and he's like, the other day, he's like looking around. He's like, Dad, this place is so small. <laughs> All right, it's a three bedroom. It's actually pretty big, kid. So you don't really understand what's going on here. Really? Yeah. He wants a nice big house. I'm like, all right. We'll get that done for you. Now, you, you really should buy, though. If, if you have the opportunity <laughs> to buy, you should definitely buy. It's not – listen, rates are rates. I mean, back in the day, yeah. uh, in the 80s, interest rates were 18%. Yeah. People were still buying homes. Yeah. My parents cost like My parents bucks. bought in like 1980. Eh, it wasn't that cheap, but my parents bought in 1980 and it was like 18%. 
and they and they flipped, so they had good credit. Yep. Still, that was it. Mm. It was eighteen percent. Um, last really enticing thing too. Uh, five seven seven twenty six hundred is the number at Nova Home Loans. John is with us. If you've got massive credit card debt, you know this is a good time to stop paying whatever you're paying twenty four, twenty seven, twenty nine percent. Yeah, you gotta honestly, and and I, we were just talking about this earlier today in my office. I mean, even with good credit scores on on your credit card, it, it, it's twenty one point nine nine percent. That's probably the best, even with an 860 or 850 credit score. So, listen, if you have equity in your property right now, uh, across America, everybody that owns a home has an average of about $185,000 or more in equity. So don't don't keep paying high credit card debt. Do a refinance, get a home equity line of credit, take some money out and pay it off. You'll be much better off in the long run. Guarantee it. Give John a call. You hear some of uh, what he's talking about here, but he'll hop on the phone. Other folks at Nova Home Loans can hop on the phone. And he'll walk you through it. Maybe maybe there's nothing right. Right? That's what we used to tell people all the time. We did a lot of business with Nova Home Loans on uh, refis. We got you guys a bunch of refis. And sometimes the message was, hey, just doesn't work out. But what does five minutes on the phone cost you? It takes five minutes or less. I guarantee it. There he is. John from Nova Home Loans, 577-2600. All right. Stacking convos today. This is a very important one. We're trying to get on as many people from <laughs> who, who know the schools well that are moving around to different conferences or fighting to stay in a conference or fighting to get to a new one. I can't keep track anymore. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to call uh, or talk about Washington and mention the Big Ten. It's just it's bizarro to me. You Millen played quarterback there. He's one of the voices of the Huskies. Works for uh, does a lot of spots on KJR, and he joins Steve and John here in Vegas. How are you, sir? Steve, John, good to be with you. This is crazy, right? Have you uh, have you wrapped your head around this? Well, I I, I think it's. Uh, in a word, many words, I have a lot of thoughts, but uh, one of them is sad. I mean, I grew up in Seattle, played for the Huskies. Uh, there was a 25-year period where we could term a generation from when I was age 4 to, to 29, which uh, ending in 1991 when the Huskies won the national championship, or at least a, a portion of it. The Pac-8 or Pac-10 won 20 of 25 Rose Bowls. And, uh, you know, in 84, for example, uh, the year we played, USC played uh, and beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Washington beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. And UCLA beat the Miami Hurricanes in the Fiesta Bowl. Three of the four major bowls were won by Pac-10 teams. Had there been an ESPN panel back then, you could just imagine Chris Fowler Asking Kirk Herbstreet and Louis Corso, okay, what's the best conference, guys? You know, after the Bulls were up, what's the best conference? What's a game set match? It's obviously right. the Pac-10. Look what they just did. Right. Uh, and and so it's just sad to think that we've had this slow demise. But once UCLA and USC made the decision to leave, West Coast football was dead. They put a harpoon in it, and it, there really wasn't anything worth salvaging. But we're hearing on Friday the schools were ready to come together. They seemed to be in uh, unity, and then it sounded like a lot was kind of blown up by Oregon. Am I mischaracterizing this? I mean, did Washington want to stay, but then Oregon kind of forced the move? How did the, the final steps come with Oregon and Washington to the uh, Big Ten? Well, from my understanding, I think Oregon and Washington uh, were going to be linked together. Um, whether it was Oregon, I don't want to pin it off on Oregon. I think that Washington and Oregon, they looked and they said, hey, hey, you're asking us to to stay committed to a conference that 
is already bleeding out with the loss of USC and UCLA. They were the ones that destroyed West Coast football. And now you're, you're talking about a TV plan that we can get out in two years. And, and there's just kind of a shift in terms of the power. I think looking forward, I think Washington was looking at more like, okay, this is a 20-year plan, not a two-year plan. And you see how predatory both the SEC and the Big Ten are. It's entirely possible in 10 years we have not 65 power five teams, but closer to 40. And unfortunately, the alignments are not going to be geographic as they have been for a century. That's what's tied conferences together. I think what's going to tie the conferences together is going to be economic viability. And I think Washington looked at, the, at a, a, a very disappointing and paltry uh, contract offer with, with, uh, with Apple and just said, look, the Big Ten is offering so much more. Uh, it's, it's now, you know, you think as, as, as a, a capitalist, one of the tenets of capitalism is those individuals and entities acting in their own rational self-interest. That's what USC and UCLA did. That's what Texas and, and Oklahoma did going to the SEC. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, we can go back to Texas A&M when they moved, even Nebraska uh, 12 years ago going to the Big Ten. As a general rule, these schools, they, they act in their own best interest just the way capitalists do. It's, it's, un, it's, it's sad, certainly in a way that money has now um, um, been the priority, but that's the reality. Could winning make up the initial money gap? Like, could Washington and Oregon look at a Pac-12 sticking together and going, you know what, we've got one of the five auto bids to the playoff. One of us is going to make it just about every year. That's big bucks uh, instead of kind of being melded into a super conference where maybe the shot at the, the uh, college football playoff just is not super viable now. I think that's a fair question, and it's a fair argument to to say, hey, look, for Washington, just stay the course. Yes, the Pac-12 uh, has, has been watered down with the loss of SC and UCLA, but you have a chance to get an automatic bid. Uh, um, that's a fair point, and we, we don't know what the unknown is going to bring. I mean, so Washington probably thinks, well, they can be competitive in the Big Ten. Well, maybe they can't. I would imagine if there's 12 teams, I would think that, that as many as three from the Big Ten and the SEC, uh, yeah. uh, perhaps those two conferences are going to have six of the 12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me, but Washington may not be one of them. Uh, I would say in absolute terms, the, the level of rec- recruit that you have access to, if you said, okay, clone the Huskies or in some alternate universe, one universe they go to the Big Ten and they have their uh, recruiting prowess in that regard, and then in the other universe, Washington stays in the Pac-10, this watered-down version, what kind of uh, uh, recruits are they going to have access to? Now you go four or five years from now and you let those two Washington teams play one another, I would think that the, the Washington team that went to the Big Ten is going to be a lot better uh, team. Iron sharpens iron. They're playing in the Big Ten. They're getting Big Ten-level recruits, and they're going to be a better team. So they, they would have a better chance to be competitive within the uh, playoff structure. So goes the theory. It's the voice of Hugh Millen, former Washington quarterback, 11 years in the National Football League. I'm sorry, John, go ahead. Uh, so I was just going to ask, kind of going down that path, Hugh, I brought this up to Steve the other day. You know, conferences on the field kind of take up a style that are very similar to one another, right? You know, the Big Ten with all of that weather and whatnot, it's, uh, you see quite a few pro-style offenses out there, a little bit more physical. How do you think these West Coast teams going into this conference will fare on 
the gridiron from their style of play? Because it seems on the surface, finesse going into a little bit more rough and rowdy type of conference. Uh, 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 fair question, you know, and, it, and it's funny. I mentioned the uh, that twenty-five year period. Eighty percent of the the uh, Rose Bowls were won by the Pac Eight or the Pac Ten. During those years, uh, you could make this statement that the Big Ten was the more physical team. That the Pac Ten had a certain style and flair where invariably threw the ball better. Uh, I mean, you can just see all, and by the way, in 25 of those games, uh, the Pac-10 team was only favored in nine of them. So there was this feeling that the big, bad Big Ten, and, and in 15 of their 20 losses, their Big Ten team sent out a top five team. And, and for those of us who are fans of West Coast football, it was like, come on out and get your annual beatdown. And, and, and the way you could characterize that is, look, Ohio State's going to come out and they, they're big and burly and they can run the football, but they're going to go up against USC, and USC can run the football with Charles White and Anthony Davis and all these guys, but they can throw the football too. And, there was, and, and the Pac-8 and 10, they had the flair. They had the style where they say, hey, look, they just throw it better than everybody. And so uh, now, can that always win if, if you're too finessed? Uh, uh, of course not. But I think that there, there is a – a style associated with the Pac-10 in its best days, and you're going to have to meet a certain threshold physically. Uh, I, I, a point well taken. I think some of the better teams can still operate that way and 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 have that style. But still, it's something like the 49ers when they had Joe Montana. Bill Walsh used to bristle so much at the thigh. Say, well, the, the the Giants they play and the Bears they play more physical. It used to drive Bill Walsh crazy. He said, wait a minute. We're pretty damn physical too, just because we throw it efficiently. We made a certain, we made a more than a threshold of physicality. I think that that would be in a best case scenario for the pack, uh, for these teams going out to the Big Ten that you could operate that way. What do you think is going to happen now with Washington State? Well, I think that uh, the most likely scenario is is that they join with the Mountain West. I mean, it's 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 really sad. I, I wish that there was still West Coast football. Um, I think most Husky fans um, wish that. But, but again, West Coast football is dead, and then it's just every man for himself is really what it's become. Washington State, unfortunately, due to factors beyond their control, um, they're, they're not an economically viable program to be playing in those conferences, uh, the big conferences. So, you know, you know, but one of the things, you know, I think their the average attendance last year, I think, was 26,000. Yeah. So, most of their problems are, are not of their, their doing, but some are. And I just think that, that Oregon State and Washington State probably are going to be uh, uh, married with the Mountain West. And we'll, we'll see how that conference might, may play out. Well, it's not a terrible thing. Uh, you know that, right? You've got some family uh, connected to the uh, conference. I actually think it's a very underrated conference, and there's a lot of programs around the conference, like Colorado State, that have passion, that are well-funded, and there's other programs. Yeah. I believe UNLV is on the upswing, and it's got some funding as well. So that's what I'd like to see happen. I still want to see a, a big conference with a, um, you know, a Western region representation. Oh, no question. I, I would love to feel like Western football can still – and look, you're not going to catch me denigrating – the Mountain West. My yeah. son started at, at Colorado State right. uh, at quarterback, and he's 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 sl- uh, slated to be the starter this year as a redshirt sophomore. So, so um, I, I I love everything about that that conference. Um, but I I think l- let me say something that's not controversial. If you took at West Coast football, 
the Pac-12, as of, you know, certainly when they had USC and UCLA, the Pac-12 was the premier conference in the West, and the Mountain West was the number two conference in the West. And then you go from the Big Sky and some of the others on down. Yeah. But, but, but I, I think that's kind of self-evident. And, and uh, unfortunately, with the, uh, the breakup, I just can't believe we're overseeing this, that we're, we're talking crazy. about the death of Pac-12 football. Oh, after over a century. Yep. I, uh, I came in on Friday, and, man, I was mad. I was sad. And you said you were sad. What have the uh, – some of the hosts, I know, are Washington guys on KJR. Um, obviously, they're talking to the fans of the area. What's their reaction to Washington now being in this, you know, this Big Ten with really no rivals currently outside of USC and UCLA? Well, I think the, the Husky fans uh, are – are optimistic about it, you know, feeling like, okay, this is new blood, a new, a new, a new opportunity. You're going to a conference where there's just a lot more juice. That, 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 that is undebatable. Um, now, wh- whether there's going to be success there, we'll, we'll find out. But, but this, the Big Ten has a lot more juice, and so I think that the, uh, the Washington fans are, are, are excited in that regard. I mean, you look at, if you just break the, look at a map of the U.S. And, and, uh, and think of four general regions. Now, I know they can be broken into sub-regions, but, but if you say the Midwest, the South, the Northeast, and the West, I've lived in all four corners of, of the U.S. We know this. There's two of the four that are really passionate about football, the Midwest and the Southeast Conference. And then there's two of the regions that, are, that are relatively are not, um, that being the West and the Northeast. And so there's, there's a conference. The, the Big Ten is the conference of the Midwest. The SEC is the primary conference of the South. And they are competing to be the top dog. And so it's just a new era where they're, they're reaching out. You know, it started in, in, uh, in, in 1990 when the Big Ten grabbed Penn State. A year later, the SEC took Arkansas and South Carolina. Then in 2011, the Big Ten took Nebraska. Well, in 2000, uh, a year later, the SEC took Missouri and Texas A&M. But there was a real tectonic shift, I think, when Texas – and Oklahoma mm-hmm. went to the SEC. Think about that. Oklahoma is a top five brand in, in college football. They jumped. And Texas, while they, they're probably a top six, seven, or eight brand, and number one in revenue, they jumped to also. And then it's like all the gloves are off, and a year later, the Big Ten, they bring in USC and UCLA and just said, okay, this is unfettered. Forget geography. We're going economic viability as the only factor in all of this. I mean, just the idea. Think about the absurdity of Stanford being considered the ACC. You've got these incredible students, <laughs> yep. and they're going to be asked to, to uh, uh, in all those non-revenue sports to fly across, and administrators have the, have the goal to use the term student-athlete. Yep. Student-athlete, anytime you hear somebody here say student-athlete, just understand, they're trying to con you. They're trying to con you into thinking that they care about the student side of it. It's money's now pervading, and, and just stop using that term. Strong spot. We really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. So good to be with you guys. There he is. Hugh Millen played in the NFL with the Falcons, the Rams, the Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Broncos. Saints was a 91 MVP with the uh, Patriots and a, a star quarterback at Washington, getting his take on the Husky athletics programs moving over to the Big Ten.